favorite order at In-N-Out? <laughs> my name is Jaden Logan, favorite order at In-N-Out. Uh, three by three, no spread, grilled onions, with a strawberry shake. There you go. <laughs> I've been at In-N-Out a lot lately. Um, Hannah is from Sweden. I don't know if you know that. Have you, you haven't met Hannah before, right? No, yeah, so Hannah's from Sweden. So she not only like over the past month, she's had her, both her parents come over here for like two weeks, not stay here, but just be like in the vicinity. And then she's got a buddy that came over from Sweden that's been sleeping on the couch. Yeah. And it's just a lot. You know what I mean? <laughs> like having family over, it's, you know, you know the deal. Like a couple days, it's fine. But like a couple weeks, yeah. it gets to be like, come on now. But they're coming all the way over from Europe. So it's like. You can't just be here for three days. You kind of got to do like the whole tour. So yeah. it's been wild, but things are going good, man. Thanks for coming out. Like I said, this is the Natural Thoughts and Talks podcast. This is phase one of what I'm building right now. I'm ultimately over the next, you know, five to 10 years, I really see this becoming kind of like a network. You know what I mean? Where like we have this Natural Thoughts and Talks podcast, we put it up top and then we have like several shows kind of branching off under it, not hosted by me, hosted by other people, whoever's interested, things like that. Right now we're just doing audio. Eventually, maybe at the end of the summer here, maybe during the fall, I'm going to add some or episode 100. Right now, I think you're going to be episode like 67. So we've been rolling. We're a little over a year old. So now we're just hitting our stride. Like I'm super comfortable, super smooth at hosting a show, kind of working the craft of like, how do you host something but still be engaged? Like, it's a lot of work, you know, things can be a little weird, but like some kind of disclaimers, sometimes I'm on my phone, I usually just have the notes app up because like while I'm listening to a story you're telling or something like that, maybe it sparks something else. Yeah. Don't want to forget it. I'll just jot <laughs> that down and be like, hey, ask him this afterwards. Oh yeah, eventually we're going to throw like cameras up. So it will be like a three camera proper show. Probably put like a background up here, get it posted up on YouTube and just like start growing it that way. Yeah. But I didn't want to do that too soon because I wanted to know if this was something that I really enjoy. This is my favorite thing to do. Oh, bro? Yeah, dude. <laughs> like you're going to fall in love with it. Podcasting's is the shit, man. And it's really cool because I think it's the most powerful form of media and just of communication because not only can you do it visually with cameras, you can do it audio, and then you can transcribe it into something like a book or something like that. So we're able to hit all three major categories of like people's attention, and that's just what it's about, right? Yeah, that's crazy. So, yeah, man. Let me go ahead and listen to this, make sure the audio levels are right, and then I'll do the little intro and we'll get started here. All right, for sure. Welcome back to Natural Thoughts and Talks. Thank you guys for coming to another episode. As always, we appreciate you, and we got a good guest for you today. Go ahead and introduce yourself, brother. Hey, guys. My name is Jaden Logan. Uh, yeah, I'm from, I guess, Orange County, California. Been out here pretty much my whole life, and I'm excited to be on the show. Dude, I'm proud of you. The reason why I wanted to come and talk to you is because, dude, you're like really on some big boy plane shit. You know what I mean? Like, that's really unexpected, and it's just like... I don't know about random. Maybe it wasn't random to you, but like I remember just scrolling and peeking through, and I'm like, "What the hell?" Because we had Christian on a couple months back, and I don't know, did he reach out to you and let you know that he was on, and like maybe shouted you out a little bit? And he was like, "Hey, you definitely got to get my guy on," and he's like going through flight school and doing all this other stuff, and I was like, "That sounds awesome!" So I want to hear some more about that. How'd you get started in that? Yeah, so basically, it's kind of weird. When I was a kid. I've always had this fascination, maybe because my dad lives in Connecticut, my mom lives out here, 
So as a kid, me and my little brother would go on like unaccompanied minor trips back and forth every summer, winter, basically whenever there was in school. We'd be going back and forth from mom and dad's house. And then I kind of think that sparked my interest because as a kid, when I was like my 10th birthday, my dad actually got me uh, flight simulators when I was a kid. So I wasn't asking for like, video games, et cetera, et cetera. Like I was asked for flight simulators. Really? Yeah. There was this like old pilot handbook to where I had my cousin Darrell actually buy me it when I was seven. And basically, so I still have it at my house, actually. It's like a 2003 version of the P-Hack. And essentially, it's how to be a pilot. I didn't know how to read it as a kid. But it was cool to show off to like my friends. Like, oh, look, I'm going to be a pilot one day, yeah. et cetera. And it didn't really seem realistic at one point. Like, I think going through high school and even college, it was like, you're not really taught to do... It's more the traditional things. Like, you find a major, you go work off that major, et cetera, et cetera. So I went to actually... Went to Cerritos College for a while after high school. Then after that, I was able to transfer over to USC. At USC, I studied, studied political economy. It's basically a mixture of econ and p- political science. Didn't really know what I was going to do with that. I ended up... Go on the mic for me. Oh, I'm sorry. I... You can even lengthen it here. Twist this guy right here. One second, guys. Twist it, and then you just kind of lengthen it out, because I can see you t- towards me a little bit. You're getting good. I just need you to be on the mic. Oh, there you go. There you go. You yeah. All right. Uh-huh. So, yeah. Political econ? Yeah, when I'm a uh, political econ, didn't really know what I was going to do with it. Still didn't really know what I would have done with it. I ended up getting a sales job at Oracle, and it was it didn't really fit me. Like, the job was essentially mostly cold calling, and I'm not really much of a cold caller. I actually don't like talking to people on the phone, which is pretty funny. Uh, Are you, I'll, like, all text or what? I am a texter, and if I'm not a texter, even, like, FaceTime's a little more acceptable because, like, people can see... Like, my face and my expressions when I talk, but usually, like, this is a good experience for me because I'm not used to, like, people uh, talking without people seeing my facial expressions. So, it was kind of like, you can't really connect with people as much for me without my facial expressions. So, it was kind of miserable, that job for me, just calling people, them saying, hey, not interested. Uh, And it's not much you can really do after that. So, then, it's kind of messed up. But I'm kind of grateful for the world shutting down during COVID because that essentially, because I'm kind of a more of a go with the flow person. So like I can make the best out of every situation and I would have continued to like, I guess, be miserable at a job just to keep going. But essentially with the world shutting down, it was kind of like, dang, what am I going to do? Like I'm at home every day. This can't be what life is going to be. So I essentially... Went on like a soul searching journey, went through like eight different career fields that I thought I would have been in. And then I thought to myself, like, why, why don't I try like flying as a career? Because I always thought maybe I could do it for fun one day. Mm-hmm. But now it's like I have the opportunity to actually switch careers and make it a career. And yeah, ever since. So, then. how'd you start that though? Where's the first step to even becoming a pilot? So, the first step for me was actually after college, I signed up for this uh, intro flight with this random guy at Torrance Airport. And he basically, it was on Groupon, paid like $90. Uh, He took me up for an hour flight. And essentially, he handled everything, setting up the plane. Once we got in the air, we're like at 2,000 feet over Long Beach. He was like, all right, you're controls. So then he started letting me like fly the plane, and I was like, "Oh, are you sure? Like, I don't want to crash That's the plane." That's crazy. And then essentially, because I mean, planes are usually stable once you're in the air, and of course, he because planes usually have dual controls. So if anything happens, he can just say, "Oh, my controls," and take the controls away from me. But basically, he let me fly the plane for like 
an hour just doing turns, climbing, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, what was that like? Spend some time telling me, like, were you nervous? Were you scared? What? I mean, I've never even been on a little plane like that before. Like, yeah. I've only done, you know, <laughs> Southwest, whatever. Like, yeah. what's that like? Uh, For me... Was it loud? Like, scary? What? It, it's loud because, I mean, it's usually propeller planes that you usually train in. So it's a big propeller in front of the plane. It's like a cartoon kind of thing. And then it kind of sounds like a, a loud lawnmower. I guess that's the equal equivalent of like okay. just a lo- loud lawnmower in front of the plane. And, I mean, I wasn't necessarily scared because I, at the time, like, I trusted the pilot. Like, he's a mm-hmm. pilot for a reason. Which now it's kind of more skeptical. Now that I'm a pilot, it's like ah, there's some dudes you don't want to really fly with. Oh yeah. But yeah, essentially when I got in the air, it it felt natural to me. Dude, like, that's like with everything, dude. Because obviously, like you know, I have a career in finance now, and you know, you'll have certain professionals and advisors that they'll get asked by like a wholesaler question, and they just don't know what the fuck's going on. So you're like, oh, I'm happy my money's not with you. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's the same thing with like track with everything, right? There's always like one or two guys that are just like slap dicking around and they don't know what the hell's going on. So yeah. that's super cool. But you trusted that guy. Was it, is it as free as like I would think it is? Like a bird or what? It pretty much is. Like there's a bunch of regulation. Like there's certain things you can't fly over, of course. Like there's a thing called uh, TFR, which was basically flight restrictions over certain areas. Like you can't fly over Disneyland, skyscraping over okay. like rides and stuff like that. But other than that, like in avoiding other airport airspaces, like we just got to fly around pretty much from like if we're over the ocean, we can fly from like a thousand feet close to the ground. Oh, we can fly really? even like a hundred feet over the ocean. That's if you want crazy. To, up to like five thousand feet because we have like a Bravo shelf on over Long Beach for LAX. Okay. So yeah, and essentially from the ground to five thousand feet, you can do whatever you want. Dude, sure. that's lit. And then since you got the coast right here too, like just flying over the water at like a sunset or something like that, that'd be the dream, huh? Yeah, that's kind of what I do every day. Kind of with like training flights. Yeah. yeah, dude. Tell me about just take me through like the layman's basic terms because when you hear pilots like in the movies or you hear stuff going on like just even the whole like you know india golf delta nine or seven eight two six like what like do you have a specific like number on your plane like what is going on what are the turns like how often are you communicating with the support that's on the ground you know what i mean yeah and like how does that stuff work so essentially every te- every plane has a tail number associated with it so that's kind of like your license plate so when you hear like six, seven, Delta, Golf, whatever, that's just a phonetic, phonetic, uh, phonetic alphabet. So it's Alpha, Bravo, Charlie, Delta, instead of saying A, B, C, D, because mm-hmm. when you're flying, a lot of those words kind of sound similar, like B sounds like D. Mm-hmm. So to separate the two is Bravo and Delta so that you don't get mixed up. And then essentially with your tail number, you can also have a call sign. So if you pay uh, the FAA a certain amount of money, you can actually have your call sign be something different than your tail number. So if you wanted to have them call you Big Daddy 69, whatever, whatever, <laughs> you can pay to have a special call sign, even though your tail number is something completely different. That one's for sure taken already, though, huh? <laughs> <laughs> By you. <laughs> and then it's, yeah, it's different levels to flying. So essentially the basic, most people, when they fly, they have a private pilot's license. That basically allows you to fly up to, or five people in a smaller plane, essentially kind of like the basic level i guess like having a regular driver's license and then there's also an instrument license that you could have associated with your private license so an instrument license would be you flying solely referencing your instruments so instead of looking outside because that's all 
pilot uh private pilots they can only really look outside when they're flying so you have to have like good weather for you to see far enough mm -hmm. if you don't have that you need an instrument rating that allows you to just look at the instruments so essentially if you were to imagine someone left a windshield cover over your car and you're flying only reference a gps yeah on your, on yeah. Your car, yeah that would essentially be the same exact thing and then there's commercial pilots to where you can quote unquote get paid to fly but there's a bunch of stipulations and regulations to where even if you have a commercial pilot's license, there's certain stuff you can't do versus that you can do. Oh, so like on. they're trying to keep like smugglers and stuff like that. And yeah, I'll fly for you for this amount of money just to like <laughs> keep things more organized. Yeah. So where are you at right now in your like flight career? What licensing do you have right now? So I actually only have two licenses left and I'll pretty much have them by the end of this month essentially oh wow and that's congrats uh, thank you yeah it'll be my multi-engine instructor license so i can teach people how to fly multi-engine and then my cfw license, so basically teach people how to fly instrument rated so i have every other license essentially but it's now the last two are me teaching i guess the hardest ones to learn okay and then after that i'll just be a full-time instructor until i reach a certain amount of hours so basically how it works for you to get hired on with the airline uh, different airlines kind of require different requirements per hiring. So I want to fly for JetSuite X. It's a smaller like charter company. No, I know somebody. Hold on. Why is that company familiar? Did who started that company? JetSuite X. We got to look that up. I think it's it's a really rich guy, right? I yeah. think. Hold on, I gotta look that up, and then I think I know somebody that works in like the marketing over there for that company. But that's like the private ones over. It's fancy, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dude, that'll be smooth. <laughs> I like that one. Yeah. So essentially, like I interviewed with United, and I'm a cadet with them technically. But during their cadet program, you can choose one of their partners to where you'll fly a certain amount of hours with their um, partner. So say JetSuite X, since I'm in United Aviate, I'll be competitive. At 800 hours, so after, I guess, 550 hours of me instructing, I can sign on to JetSuite X. After I fly 1,000 hours with JetSuite X, I can automatically transition to a first officer with United without having to interview again. Oh, that's awesome. pretty cool. Yeah. So. Are pilots, like, in demand right now? Is there a shortage? Because that's what I've heard on the news, I think, right? Are yeah. they Or what's going on? I have a bunch of them retired, or is it just a hard job? What Why is shit in the fan with that industry yeah i mean a lot of the pilots i guess are essentially older and there's actually with flying there's a forced uh retirement oh okay so you, you hit a certain age i believe it's 67 hours 66 could be wrong but essentially at that age you're mandatorily like forced to retire yeah which like, you're too old basically <laughs> i get it yeah it makes sense yeah it makes sense i feel like a lot of careers especially like politics should have stuff like yeah. that but yeah essentially so Flying, obviously, you don't know a bunch of pilots because it's hard to get into flying. Like, you have to pay a lot of money up front. And basically, it's a lot of time required to be a pilot. And essentially, that's kind of like an older career for the most part. Uh -huh. And essentially, well, now all of, all of these like older people are retiring. There's going to be this big gap of, all right, so we've had this career be so exclusive for a while. Mm -hmm. And we haven't had anybody to fill in these roles. Now we're stuck with all these people retiring. Like, how are we going to fill in all these roles? So now there's a huge demand. But now it's funny because, like, there's a lot of people trying to be pilots now. So essentially, I feel like I got in at the right time because 
I'm going to be filling in this gap, but in like five or 10 years, there might be a surplus of people who oh, are trying wow. to fill in that gap. Okay. So, yeah, I just, I feel like I've gotten in at, good, at a good spot, but you never know. Because, I mean, if another COVID happens and travel's banned, mm-hmm. then I am kind of shit out of luck, too. So. Yeah, I see that. But I think it's really cool because you're saying, like, I mean, just you're an example of the industry is becoming a lot more broad, a lot more diverse. And that's going to lead more people to just be interested. Hey, like, it's not the same, like, old white guy that's been flying the, you know what I mean? Like, you know what the pilot looks like. The pilot could look like young Latina girl here. And, you know, just, like, it's super cool. I like that. I was interested in the only experience that I've seen is this. There's this girl that does like these vlogs and she's basically documented her entire process of like going on her Groupon like training flight to all the way. I think she does work for an airline now and she kind of like vlogs and documents and stuff like that. But that would be super cool. I think that'd be something that I would love to see you get into just to sort of educate because I think. The way kind of our world and our generation is going right now is we're moving obviously from an information age to a attention-based age, right? Which good, bad, you know, different, it doesn't matter, but attention is kind of the way that it works. And who gets the most attention, who gets the best attention is the people who are the most raw and authentic, I think. That's the right way to do it. That's how I'm trying to create this show. That's how I'm trying to build my business is through transparency, through authenticity, And the best way to do that is to document, right? So it's like, it doesn't matter what, dude, if you look at my like YouTube feeds or whatever, like I'm, I'm, I don't watch anything else other than YouTube for the most part. Like when I have time, I just, cause it's everywhere. I can watch it here or there. You know what I mean? It's the, it's the shit. So I watch, I, it'll be like a random, Hey, let me show you how to fly a plane. And then it'll be like, Hey, let me show you how to sail from Europe to America. And then it'll be like, Hey, let me show you this cooking shit. But it's like all documented really well. So, like, dude, it would be awesome. I'd love to see you do something like that and just be like, yeah, this is my normal day that we do. You know, we shut sit. I kick the tires. I don't know. I turn the <laughs> radios on. Like, it, and it just educates people on it and brings more exposure. And, like, that's something you should definitely look into. That shit would be hard. Definitely. Yeah, me and actually one of my friends who actually go to the same flight program, we essentially kind of want to go back to our TJX. We both went to our TJ high school mm-hmm. at one point in our lives. And we kind of want to go back and possibly start like an aviation club oh. to like let people know. Because I mean, I've never heard of a pilot coming out of Artesia. So mm-hmm. it's like to let people know from our area, like, hey, it's possible. Yeah. It's whatever you want to do kind of thing. Dude, that's so cool. So I see you're, I want to learn to fly from you, but I need you to get some experience under your belt. Let me go, <laughs> go a year. Let's let, you know, no planes went down or nothing. And then I'll be like, all right, yeah, come take me up. Let's go. But that would be super cool. How like how would I then, when you start your instructing stuff uh, over the next few months, someone like me, what is the criteria to learn how to fly? Uh, there really is no criteria. You there, just got to show up. Yeah. Essentially, I mean, you have to know how to read, write in English. <laughs> you have to be, you're well over 16 years old to begin flight training and... Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people, like, that's the basic requirements, but there's a lot of people who, like, just freak out in planes. Oh, yeah. So, you never really know until you're in the air, and it might be you. Like, you might get motion, a lot of people get motion sick and just throw up. Yeah. So, you just never really know until you're in the air, but it's basic requirements, same as pretty much driving. Are you able to do any, like, weird, crazy turns or anything when you're up there? Oh, yeah. I mean, you can put as much, it's however stressed the plane would allow you to, but, like, one of the maneuvers is called a steep turn. Uh-huh. So, basically, you're in a 45-degree bank level, 
you're just flying, cruising along at the same altitude. And I mean, you're adding G's. Like it's it's the same like as a roller coaster, I guess. Is it worse or like the same? And it depends on a roller coaster. Like, okay. Supreme scream. Nothing really gets worse than that. Like drop uh-huh. feeling. But I mean, you still feel like a part of that roller coaster inside when you're doing those. So. Dude, that's awesome. I like that. Hey, aside from the pilot stuff, what else you been up to? What you been getting into? What you been watching? What you been grubbing on anything? Any good restaurants? What you been doing? Where are you staying at right now? Man, I live in Anaheim at the moment. Okay. But it's kind of crazy. Like, I think flying has taken over my life, which is pretty funny because before flying, I was into stuff all the time, playing rugby on my spare time. I was still working out with like Coach Jones at like regional at one point. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I was just getting into random things. I feel like that's one a big part of me. Like I just do things kind of sporadically mm-hmm. at the moment. But with flying, it's like literally I'll study from eight in the morning, go to the airport, fly for a couple hours, study at the airport for a couple hours. Might go hang out with some of my friends at the airport and then come back home and study. Like, this has probably been the hardest thing that I've done probably in my life. Dude, that's awesome. I'm, like, super proud of you, too. That's so cool. Well, I got some more flying questions then. Is, bro, when I fly from here to Sweden and we're going over the Atlantic, those pilots aren't working the whole time, right? <laughs> they fucking, it feels like they fly it up, put that bitch on autopilot, go take a nap, and then it gets there, and then they're like, oh, hold on, now I got it. 10 hours later, let me uh, figure it out. Is that how it is? Essentially, yeah, because, I mean, it takes the human error out of it. Like, you literally just have it follow a track, you draw the flight plan, it'll follow that flight plan to a T, and then, like, yeah, most planes, or not most planes, a lot of planes, the bigger planes, they essentially couldn't even land by themselves at this point. Yeah. So it's like, and that's cool. Like, uh, of course, you want a person in there just in case yeah. shit hits the fan. But for the most part, like, a robot is flying most oh, of the time. Man, people are stressed out. How safe is flying, though, too? You know how you're talking about some people get scared up there. Like, I don't yeah. really ever, like, honestly, that'd be a good way to die, in my opinion. Like, worst <laughs> case, I'd be like, ah, if it goes down, all right. Like, cool. Like, at least, yeah. you know, it wasn't something stupid. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's instant. If yeah. You, if it does happen, it's like you're not gonna fail. You die. Uh-huh. But I mean, you never really hear of planes crashing per the hundred thousands of flights that happen a day. Mm-hmm. You maybe hear of one a month that yeah. happens. So it's like essentially, flying is way more safer than driving. Like car accidents happen literally every day. Dude, is it? And I get the same thing too. Like I used to be out. I've spent the past couple summers out on the water and stuff. Um, just like working a jet ski job and taking people out, right? But that's still dealing with people's fear of water, of sailing, no matter what you're doing. Kind of similar things, height, you know, whatever. It's just almost they have to get over the hump of not being in control, for example. Or or do are there still pilots that because it seemed like you are in control. You're the one like flying it. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, you're still in control. I feel like most pilots, like I mean, I wouldn't really want to fly with a guy who because that's kind of like one of our fear-based things, like resignation. When shit hits the fan, how do you react? Are you just going to give up? Ah, there's nothing I can do. Jesus, take the will type thing. And those are the people you don't want to fly with. Of course. I mean, I kind of have the opposite, which might not be as good as well, but like I feel like I can get myself out of pretty much almost every situation. I like that. So I think it's just the outlook thing. Like I kind of grew up a positive person, so... I just think positive. How fast does a plane have to go to actually take off? 
Uh, it depends on the plane. If you're in a set like the Cessna 172s that we fly, will rotate at 55 knots. Uh, I'm blanking on the comparison from knots to miles per hour, but it's around 10. So like 65 miles an hour, the plane's able to lift off the ground. And that's for the little one at 65. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. And then for other planes, like the multi-engine one I fly now, it's 75 knots to ro- rotate at, so 85 miles an hour. Okay. So it's kind of crazy to think like, oh, when you're, you can drive 85 miles an hour, nothing's gonna happen to your car. And just fly plane. off, dude. That's <laughs> so cool. Like, yeah. How do you not crash coming in? Because everybody, I feel like every dude at least has that fantasy of being like, yeah, no, if the plane's coming, you got to, I'm going to bring it in and then I'm going to take it. And like, you have no idea, obviously, but like, what is your, how do you do that? How do you land a plane? Um, Most people learn kind of differently. I learned outside of the flight school that I'm currently at. So he kind of had this method of filling things out and so you're essentially coming in like, Think you're coming in. It's hard to. Are there brakes? Like, oh, yeah, you, you have brakes on a. That's you're. You essentially steer. Like when you're on the ground, you're driving the plane essentially because you're not driving at that point. Yeah. But uh, essentially, you're coming in like at a 45 degree angle slant. Yeah. And then you want to basically lift the nose off the ground so you're not slamming on the nose gear of the of the plane. Okay. And then you're landing on the back wheels and just riding the back wheels as long as you can before lowering the front nose. So it's kind of hard to illustrate over the mic. No, it's dope. Tell tell me how to do it. That's what I want to (laughs) know. Just keeping it. Has it ever been windy? Like, what do you do with wind? Oh, there's always wind. And Steam got crosswind corrections. So essentially, you'll dip the wing kind of into the wind. Okay. And then it's kind of a whole situation. It's also hard to explain over the mic, but it's basically you're dipping the wing into the relative wind that it's coming from. And then allowing the back wheel of whatever side that you're crabbing into to touch the ground first. And then once that wheel touches, you're essentially going to square the plane out. And the same thing, back two wheels land first. And then slowly let the nose wheel come down. So it's kind of weird. Kind of I get it, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, you're just protecting the plane from being blown off. Dude, that's awesome. You got you got some answers. I like that cuz I use I always think about these things. Uh like air pressure, do you is it fine like in the little planes that you're doing? Do you have to like wear anything or is it pressurized? Is it Oh, no, a little planes aren't pressurized. You actually can't fly over certain altitudes before it becomes like a danger to you. So like over I believe 12,500 to 14,000 like after flying more than 30 minutes you'll need supplemental oxygen like just oxygen tanks that you'll carry yeah. and then the higher up you go it's more requirements unless you're of course pressurized but yeah you don't want to be at high altitudes for pressurization cuz you can explain uh, the altitudes so what is like something that I can understand cuz so what when I'm flying to Vegas and we get all the way at the top, you know, it's a quick flight. Boom, 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 boom. How high are we going there? Like those big planes on Spirit or whatever. How high am I flying? Uh, Usually you can look on like the dashboard and have to tell you, but I... Is been, it like 10,000 feet? Oh, no, you're way higher than that. You're, oh, really? Yeah, because there's a mountain range. I think that goes up to like 16,000. So like twenty-five to 35,000 oh, easily. Okay. Yeah. And it's a short flight. So you're essentially just getting up to that height. And then once you cross that mountain, you might be already on a decent. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you're getting you're getting up there, dude. Yeah. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, cause you're getting away from all the other general aviation planes. So you have instruments where you can tell how high you are. Yeah. And then, obviously, like you have um, what's the thing like that? How you know your level? Attitude stuff like indicator. That? Okay. Yeah, and it basically shows you what attitude you are, where the wings are, essentially, so you're not getting off course or you're not off balance. 
Because a lot of people, like if you're flying bass to instrument, which is why a lot of people need an instrument rating, you can't really read those instruments correctly. So a lot of people, there's a bunch of illusions that could happen. So say if you're in like a five degree bank and you're just flying along at five degrees, you'll essentially, like after 10, 15 minutes, you'll think that that's level. Oh. So like your body will equalize. So you're thinking, damn, this is level to me. So then if you get to like level out, you'll start thinking, damn, I'm in a left turn. Oh. And then essentially, like you'll be in a left turn and not even realize it. And you're just turning and like you get into this thing called a graveyard spiral. To where essentially you'll just keep spinning and spinning until you hit the floor. Jeez. Is and there a difference between flying daytime and nighttime? There is, especially if like over LA, it's not much of a difference essentially. But if you're in like a mountain, mountain range, it's almost impossible to see stuff. Oh. Like if there's no lights around, everything uh-huh. just looks like air. It just looks like just dark, dark void. Huh? Yeah. Oh, that's crazy. So yeah. Is that is that I mean, that's not like scary because you got your stuff, but that it seems scary. Yeah, I mean, when I first started flying, I was like, dang, how how am I going to notice all this stuff? But the more training and more training you do, it's just routine at that point. It's just like anything, right? You just take yeah. it day by day, slowly build it one little piece at a time, right? And then over X amount of years, you, yeah, man, that's like, that's just the process. You just got to trust the process, just like sports, just like everything else, right? And you yeah. stick at it and look where you're at now, right? Yeah. Do you ever look back and like how often are you? Because I know you're so into it. I have that problem too. And Hannah really has to help me out there, dude. I was in college last year. Now, you know, the level of finances that I'm able to actually help people with just everyday grind and hitting the books and studying, like I'm so proud of like, oh, so you want to lower your taxes. All right, this is what we're going to do. We're going to do this, 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 this. Oh, you want to protect your family. Okay, so we're going to do this, this, this. Kind of the similar things, but like it's so cool watching the group of guys that we kind of grew up with turn into like the young men that are chasing their dreams. And that's a big reason why I started this podcast is to document kind of where you're at in your career so that next time you come on, you go, oh yeah, remember I was just actually a cadet. Now I'm at this level. Now we're doing this. Oh, I wasn't even instructing people yet. Now, oh, well that didn't work out or this did work out. You know what I mean? Like actually, you know, I love that this happened. I got this promotion and it's so cool to hear about. And it's just like, it's awesome. You know? Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Like, What's your favorite thing about flying? Um, I think my favorite thing about flying is probably... Probably the freedom. Like at this point, I feel like even when I start flying, I don't think it'll feel like a job to me. I was just going to ask important. you that after too. Does it feel like work? Yeah. No, I mean, essentially I'm still a student right now, but even mm-hmm. when I start working, I don't think it'll really feel like work because I've had jobs that I absolutely could not stand going to. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's like my job is going to be 10,000 feet in the air in the sky looking at stuff that I usually see on the ground. It feels like you're cheating the system, huh? Because it's like it's something that you would do like on your own spare time and, you know, that's what you get to do. That's awesome. Essentially. And it's like me, I love airports as well. So like even when I I reach that next level to once I'm not flying for JetSuiteX and I transfer over to another company, like I love being at airports. Like, I don't know. It seems weird, but like walking around airports, I carrying hate airports, luggage. man. I hate airports. <laughs> airports are the worst thing ever. But hey, I guess it takes a guy like you to love them, right? Fuck, I hate airports, man. <laughs> got to stand in that long ass line. You got to do this. I got. I always have something in my bag. It's. I think I have a like a problem with authority like that. Too. I just don't like the. T- I don't like them telling me what the fuck I can bring in my bag. Like, it's it's cool. But I mean. I guess I like uh, traveling with people. I guess, but 
yeah, man, planes are the best. I think planes are so vital to our world right now because it does really make the world smaller. Like, I was just talking to Hannah. Her family is essentially on the other side of the globe, right, over in the top of Europe. And the idea that a day's travel, they can get here versus like 100 years ago, it's fucking, all right, I'll be see you in a month or two, like when I get this sailboat across the thing, you know what I mean? Something yeah. like that. It's so cool that like planes really just make everything faster. Yeah, I've had this conversation probably like a thousand times, but I always bring back to every time I like fly over the Rocky Mountains, going back to the East Coast or whatever. Like people really used to travel from like the East Coast and pioneered all the way to California. Mm -hmm. Like that would take, I don't even know how long that would take just to go through the mountain. But yeah. like people really walked months and months at a time to get places. And that's pretty crazy that we're at the point we're at right now. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Where, like, how how much better can planes get? Because is it like cars where every year there's like some new shit that comes out? There's this and that, or has it been kind of the same for a while, or what? Uh, I mean, planes in general. I feel like there hasn't been much innovation since probably like the '90s to it. Like, it's okay. not like trains to where all right, one day we had a locomotive to now we're like a bullet train. Yeah. Like, of course, on a smaller scale, like, there's smaller jets that can get from, like, I think there was one that can get from New York to London in, like, three hours. But that's not at a commercial level yet. Like, most 99.99% of people won't get on that plane. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't really see much innovation being done, like, the next 10 years. But Are you yeah, into, like, know. classic planes and stuff, too? I'm because I feel like if I if you were a car guy you'd be like yeah. oh yeah that back in the day that was it right there <laughs> but or do you ever see or is it just mainly like do they have classic planes that you could fly from like the sixties the seventies yeah they like, they, they definitely do but the sixties and seventies might not be as old as you think in like when people rent and buy planes they're usually from the sixties and seventies because planes hold up for a oh, long yeah. time but yeah people fly like World War One two planes uh -huh. all the time like you see them stashed at people's airports they just buy the plane fix them up and have them as their own like personal projects. I don't think myself I'm one yet, but I'm also not like a classic car person. Mm -hmm. Like I think I, yeah. And that's something I want to get into more and more to know about every plane. Like I, yeah, I know planes. I love planes, but to the point where I'm an expert where, oh, that's a 72 Chevelle, like most car people can point out. Yeah, uh -huh. I'm, not, I'm not at that level yet though. Dude, that's super cool. Yeah. So take me through, like, because obviously here in an hour or so, you said you got, like, work that you're pulling up to, right? Or what, what do you got going on? Yeah, so essentially I just have a little training flight to where for me to be a multi-engine instructor. I have to, I already have my multi uh, commercial multi-engine license to where I can fly multi-engine planes. But for now, to me, I have to be able to teach to someone else for them to make sense for a newer student. And, I mean, that's with most instructor licenses, like, I we have all the license already when you're going in for your instructor license, but now it's like, how good are you at teaching slash conveying this message to someone else? Which to me is kind of scary, but kind of funny because I feel like I learn different than a lot of people. Mm. Like I'm very memory based. I have a very good memory. I would like to think to say. Yeah. So it's like I'll just remember things and keep it in my brain until I have to take the test and whatever happens after that happens after that. But for me to like teach to someone who might not learn like me, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty scary. So you're kind of just, you're essentially just getting into coaching, just with flying. Yeah, same we, thing. I, yeah. I'm in coaching just with people's wallets. <laughs> That's all it is. Yeah, you ever thought about being like a sports coach? Uh, 
coaching? No, I didn't. I, you know, it's cool. And like, I really love obviously like guys like Jones and Rich and like people that have really helped us maybe down the road at some point. But I just, you know, I couldn't, couldn't be out there doing it. Like they, like the demand that they have and like the, the, the stakes, it's like young minds, you know, like the, the stakes, you could definitely, that can go either way. And I just, I don't have that passion. <laughs> and I don't think I have the patience for doing that, but yeah. it's definitely like, you know, it's something I appreciate the guys who do it. Yeah. Shout out to those guys. Shout out to the, to the Falcons. But it's funny. It's like coach Rich and coach Jones have two completely different approaches. Like coach Rich is, I feel like the more you get to know him, like he becomes personable. But at first, when you like first meet Rich, it's like business, business, business. He'll like get you through everything. He'll get you through what's essential with what whatever workout. He has a perfect workout for every situation. Like he'll, I have no doubt in my mind that Coach Rich is probably one of the smartest guys that I know when it comes to track and field and just workouts yeah. and body in general. Yeah. But then Coach Jones is kind of like not the complete opposite. But he's purely like spiritual and mind <laughs> and getting like the athletes' minds together, yeah. which is pretty funny. But like his workouts, I mean, we used to on purpose like distract Jones, like when we were dead tired, and like mm -hmm. get him to tell us a story so we can get like a 30 minute break between our <laughs> workouts. And yeah, it's just the different approaches. But I mean, people have different preferences. Like me and Coach Jones, like Coach Jones is like family to me. Mm -hmm. Like he still calls me to this day. Like, yeah. Once a month, we'll just chop it up for, for whatever reason. and yeah. I think that's a cool thing, too, is I want to go and um, I'll probably talk to Rich about this at some point. But there's such a strong network of young adults, guys and girls that have came out of like that program or that system over the past, let's say, 15 years or so of coaching that like kind of what happens when you leave, right? Like you're off flying planes. I'm over in the office down in Orange County. You know what I mean? Like there's hundreds of people who, you know, kind of not like left by the wayside or anything. Like everybody's still doing their things, but they kind of, there should be more of a, a connection. What do you think? You know what yeah. I mean? Like it would be cool because you have the people who are, you know, you went with like you and I, stuff like that. But what about people like five years before us? Yeah. What are they doing, right? Yeah, I think he was actually telling me about he's trying to start up a, like a podcast channel to go through the lives of people who actually left. Who said that? Coach Rich. Really? Yeah, so it's pretty funny that, that you just brought awesome. that up. I think he's actually trying to initiate something like that. To like where 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 are they at now kind of thing. Yeah. And yeah. I mean essentially like I personally like I like I think I keep in touch with like ninety nine point nine nine percent of the teammates that we've had through Cerritos. So like how you're saying, five years before me, what mm -hmm. is everybody doing at that point? Because it's essentially the same thing every year. <laughs> you know, there's same personality type stuff like that. It's just the only difference is like, oh, age. So you gotta make that connection, make that jump. Like, oh, I was here, you know, a couple years, whatever, whatever, whatever. Like, let's go get something to eat. Let's go do this. Come over for dinner. You know, like. Let's kind of use these resources if you need some. Oh, yeah, hey, I, there's something flight related. Let me call and ask about this or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, that would be super cool. That'd be definitely beneficial, I think, to everybody involved. So we'll look into that. But hey, man, you know, thanks for coming on and obviously like sharing with the people and myself. Like, I definitely got a lot of value out of you just honing in and kind of nerding out and explaining like the really just telling your story. You know what I mean? That's really what we like to have on here is just like, hey, yeah, I was a regular guy or a knucklehead at some point a couple <laughs> years ago. And, you know, I really got on top of my shit and worked hard. And through that hard work, 
I was able to accomplish my goal of starting a successful career in aviation, you know? And definitely. I feel like it's pretty funny because I feel like to most people, I was kind of a, a knucklehead at one point in my life. So it's like now they have to see me in a light like, oh. And it's I'm always curious, like, does that affect people's perception of me like as a pilot? Like if they saw me like in the cockpit before their flight, but they'd be like, oh, I got to get off this plane. Or <laughs> like, what, it, what would their idea be? Even though, of course, like I spent the hours in the work trying to get this, uh, to get where I'm at now. But it's like, people will still always have those perceptions. Like, oh, when you were 10 years old, when you were 15 years old, 20 years old. That's uh, the people who have a negative perception. I think that they don't really trust growth like that. Because I don't, I would never look at you now and then judge you based on how you were five years ago. You know what I mean? Because that means what, what was he doing for five years? Nothing like, yeah, if he's the same, yeah, that's fucked up. Like I want you to be different. I want you to be a new version, things like that. And I mean, I think it's really about, dude, it really is growth. So it's like how you were, isn't like, you're, you're always going to constantly be changing. You know what I mean? So like, Oh, I know what I wanted to say. Basically, I think that whole like corporate, um, like you have to act and look a certain way in order to like be something. I take that and I just throw it in the trash every single day. Like I, I stay as authentic. I talk. I don't change up the way I talk. And obviously, you have certain cadences, stuff like that. You got It's airport shit that you got to <laughs> You got to be that guy. But yeah. when I walk in the office, dude, I'm the same guy as when I'm here in the podcast. And if anybody wants me to put on like a suit and tie and act a certain way, like somebody will have an issue. But oh, venture. Like I wear, you know, I wear slacks and dress shirts, but I don't. I'm not like a finance bro or anything like that where I'm, you know, suited and booted up and someone will be like, oh, you look a little, let's say like bummy or something. And it's like, we're in Southern California. This isn't Wall Street, New York, where like I have to do those things. And here's my question to you is, if a suit jacket made me a multimillionaire, why isn't there a line out of Calvin Klein right now? You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. not the the clothes don't make the man, the man make the clothes, right? So it's just like people's perception of you you just got to be authentic, and I can't control that. It's like you if you're going to sit here and be like, oh, yeah, you were just this dumb guy over here. Hmm, sorry, well, that's on you, you know? Yeah, definitely. And I feel like companies like Google, Apple, the bigger companies who are, like, branching out and, like, not requiring certain degrees or, like, actually, like, are hiring people who went to jail previously or yeah. even have tattoos and, like, the workplace. Like, places like that are definitely, like, helping break that stigma. But, yeah, like... I feel like that's only conforming to like a certain demographic when you set boundaries like that to how you have to look and present yourself. I got two more questions for you. What do you see if you could control everything? You just had a magic wand. How, what do you, what does this flight career look like? What are you trying to accomplish here? Are you trying to open up a school? Or are you trying to open up some, what are you trying to build? Um, essentially, I mean, I. I don't care to own a flight school. I normal airline pilot. I'm trying to figure out a way how to essentially like I want to make sure that once I am at that level that I'm able to like still have a normal life, like a family life because of course when you're a pilot you might be gone a couple of days flying, you might be here a couple of days. But like I also like I plan on having kids, plan on having kids who like do sports and things like that. So I want to make sure that I'm just not like away all the time. I got to miss all their games if they, I don't know, if they dance or something, all the recitals. So just finding a way to perfectly balance the two to where I'm still able to 
be here for them while still live my life and like make them proud of me being an airline pilot, et cetera. And I mean, essentially, like one of my big goals since I was a kid, I've always wanted to like retire and have like my own farm. Oh, okay. It's pretty, pretty weird, pretty different, but like where at? I mean, I don't know in like 25 years what's going to be like an agricultural landscape. I mean, if global warming is really as bad as... You want it in Montana. <laughs> I'll just throw that out there right now. You've you been to Montana? I haven't yet. You go ahead. Take a train. Get get a flight out there. You want your farm in Montana. That's, <laughs> that's what I'll throw out there because that's where my farm's going to be. But um, yeah, last question I have for you. Who is somebody that we can get in contact with that you would like to see on the podcast? Who would you like to recommend, guy, girl, old, young, that you would like to have come on, sit down, sit where you're sitting, and maybe share a little bit about their journey? It doesn't have to be the most interesting person, no, just somebody that you'd like to see. I think the mo- person who's had the most interesting life that I want to see on here probably have to be Coach Jones, Morris Jones. Like oh. I hear his story all the time because I'm meeting him like on a personal level to where I feel like I'm like one of his kin at this point. But I think a lot of people would definitely benefit from hearing his life story, how he ended up from where he was at to him being where he's at now. And yeah, he definitely like had, I'd say, a total 180. Like the stories that I hear about him when he was younger to where he is now, he's like, that's the same person. Yeah. But yeah, definitely talking to Coach Jones definitely like put me into like a more grateful, like gracious attitude and changed my life. So. Dude, that's awesome. Yeah, we'll we'll reach out and have him on, you know, maybe sometime next month. See what his schedule's looking like. But hey bro, thank you for coming on. This has been Natural Thoughts and Talks. Thank you guys for listening to another episode. Peace.